I mean, everybody believes they know who their customer is, but do they really know who the customer is? I remember we were we were, you know, doing a supply chain solution, and it was for a healthcare company. And you know, you asked the group, uh, well, "Who's the customer?" And a third of them said, "Well, it's the companies that distribute, you know, the CVS, the Walgreens." And another group said, "No, no, 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 it's the doctors. They prescribe our drugs." And of course, the third of them said, "Well, isn't it the patient?" And that's so important when you're trying to understand, like, who is your customer? Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to Backstage Business, a podcast where I really am aiming to give you some really solid advice and from leaders and people that I know offer some really excellent advice because they've they've been through it and they've they've seen it. Today I'm recording in I'm kind of hidden away <laughs> in one of the rooms in our house because the sound is probably the best quality here. If it's a little echoey, I apologize. It is during this pandemic time where we are quarantined in our homes, so trying to find the best places where it's not too noisy since we've got a big family and everyone's out and about. My husband's working from home and we're, we're making the best of it. It's a great opportunity to create more content and do more interviews so that I can bring you guys some, some really good stuff. Today, I'm talking to Rocky Romanella. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him in just a minute, but I want to tell you about the topics that we discuss. Some of them that I think are really important for today, we, we're going to talk about leadership and really how to how to be strong as, as a leader during any kind of time. You know, there's times like now that are that are pretty tough and you've really got to show up, but what you can what you learn from from Rocky today is something that you can apply at any time because as a as a business owner, you know that you can go in and out of some really great times, some harder times, some really challenging times. And he offers some some really great advice to that. We're also going to talk about some when to know as a small business owner, when to know how to make certain shifts that will bring you towards the growth that you're hoping for. How do you know when the, when the right time is to hire somebody or do something different? We also talk about cool stuff like rebranding. You know, do you, it, should you be rebranding? How do you know if you should be? And what I really love about my conversation with Rocky is that he breaks it down into questions, questions that you need to ask yourself. And I love that because questions are such great prompts to finding the answer. Because sometimes the really difficult part about solving a problem or knowing what to do is, is really just knowing the right question to ask. So he's got a lot of those, which I love. So let me tell you a little bit about Rocky, and then we'll dive right into the interview. Rocky is the founder and CEO of 360 Management, 360 Management Services, which is a consulting firm that specializes in keynote speaking, leadership development, and consulting services. He works with all sizes of, of businesses and really loves working with small businesses and, and entrepreneurs. He's got over 40 years of leadership experience. He really delivers results by developing and implementing his balanced leadership model across his enterprise operations. And this includes a laser focus on customer needs, employee empowerment, so important, and the demands of shareholders. So if that relates to your business, he's the guy. He's an experienced CEO who has led one of the largest rebranding initiatives in franchise history. And we talk about this in the show, and that is the UPS store, revolutionary, the $9 billion retail shipping and business services market. Pretty cool. 
While leading the UPS store, the network increased retail units, same store sales by 5.8%, outpacing the National Retail Federation results of 4.6% during a recession. Pretty awesome. So we do talk about that. There are so many things that I wanted to pull from that, even though it is, you know, a huge, huge company. There are so many things that that we can take from this. He also led the integration of more than 20 acquisitions that became UPS supply chain solutions and led its improved financial performance capabilities and global network footprints. So he knows what he's talking about. What's really cool about Rocky is that he has this incredible ability to see a clear vision of the changing business landscape, the passion to develop strategies, and the tactics and metrics to drive desired results. It's good stuff. And uh, what I really like is that he's uh, he's an East Coast guy from Jersey, where a lot of my family is from. He also owns a Peloton, so he gets that. You guys know how I'm obsessed with my Peloton. He's just a cool guy. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to this interview, and I know you're going to take a lot of really good stuff out of it. Rocky, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you with me. Well, thank you, Summer. It's a pleasure to be on your show, and thank you for the invite, and I look forward to speaking with you and your audience. You know, I think today's conversation is is really important. At the time of this recording, we are, a lot of us are experiencing that quarantine lockdown feeling into our homes due to the COVID-19 virus. And one thing that I want to hear from you is, especially for, you know, small business to medium-sized business owners, and even those, you know, that are just starting up, how can we come through as a really strong leader and be there for our teams. And I know that this is something that you just excel in. So any advice that you have, because I know it, it actually, it, it really pertains to any tough times that can happen. Well, I think, I think unfortunately, these types of situations, maybe not this drastic as this virus, but throughout your career and throughout your business, you're going to have these emotional swings, difficulties. It may be a financial situation where you're getting tight on a working capital. It could be, you know, making that decision on, you know, taking that next big step inside your business. And, and it may mean at that moment you have less you know, profitability because you're kind of reinvesting in the business. Through all of those times, and this one in particular, I think one of the most important things you can do as a leader is, and as, as a person in, inside your own personal life is, don't let your highs get too highs and your lows get too low. And, and because, because you're going to move through these peaks and valleys, if, if you're kind of like spiking the football because you just had a great quarter and you're acting like you've never been there before, you're going to have a tough quarter coming up as well. And so I think the best thing to do from an emotional perspective and, a, and sort of a calming perspective to not only the people in your care, in your business, but also in your family is don't allow your highs to get too high. And your lows to get too lows. I think that's what's important. And then the second thing I would say is, as you're going through these difficult times, put together this priority list of things that need to get done. And I think the key is to separate things from nice to do and need to do things. And we like to do the nice to do things because they're the nice to do things. And it may be, you know, we, boy, we always talked about changing the car, making this up, but we always wanted to change the, the color inside the cafeteria. Wouldn't it be nice if that cafeteria was a different color? Well, that's a nice to do thing. What are the need to do things? And I think you really have to separate, 
especially in the small business sector, what are the nice to do things and need to do things? I'm really focused on the need to do things, the things that you need to do to keep your business alive, the things you need to do to make sure your people know that you value them and that you're concerned about them. And then you'll get to the nice to do things when you come out of this. So don't let your highs get too highs and your lows get too lows and really put a priority list together and focus on the need to do things and put the nice to do things on the side. I love that. I have what's called a not to do now list. <laughs> so oh, you get right. ideas. Wait, I got to tell you, I'm writing. I'm writing. I'm, writing. <laughs> I'm writing as you're speaking. If I'm making noise in the background, it's because I'm writing. That's a very good one. That's yeah. I mean, we, as entrepreneurs, you get ideas all the time. So, and you go, oh my gosh, I want to do this. I want to do that. And that's how we get overwhelmed so easily. But if you have that not to do now list, you know, it, the idea is not going anywhere. And sometimes it fades out. You realize mm, maybe that wasn't such a great idea. It seems so great in the moment, but you at least have it down and on a list so that it didn't go anywhere. I like that. Very good. So, I, yeah. so this is learning's all about learning from each other. So I, I got mine. That there you go. <laughs> okay. So I dove in right into that question because that's what I do. I like to just ask what's on my mind, but I do, I do want to talk about your, you know, how you came to have all of this knowledge. I mean, you have over 40 years of experience in this. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your story and how you got to where you are now? Well, you know, it's a, it, it's a story like many of us that, you know, we started out and I tell, you know, when I speak to colleges, students and, you know, high school seniors all the time, I mean, many times you start out in one direction and then, you know, life takes you in different directions or certain circumstances happen and, and you, you make the best of what, you know, you, you kind of make a lemon out of lemonades, I guess, or you, or you change. And so for me, I went to college to be a high school history teacher and a baseball coach. And I was working my way through college and UPS that, you know, provided me this part-time job that I could work my way through college. And when I started, my dad told me, rest this all two things. He said, you know, when I told him I got the, hey, I got this part-time job at UPS. And, you know, and he said to me, the two things that stuck with me throughout my whole career, the first thing he told me was, whatever they ask you to do, say yes and thank you. And then learn your job and learn some more. The day you think you really understand everything or the day you think you're the best at something is the day you're probably losing ground. So learn your job and learn some more. And I will tell you, Summer, that stuck with me throughout my career. Now, UPS had a promotion from within policy. And I, you know, I had 36 wonderful years at UPS. And that promote, I took advantage of that promotion within policy. And there were many times along the way where I, you know, they tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you know, we got this opportunity for you in Chicago, we got this opportunity for you, you know, in New York. And I, I may not have felt ready. And the biggest lesson I learned from that experience of just saying yes and thank you was that there were times that UPS believed in Rocky Romanella way ahead of me believing in myself. And I, I, I took that as a lesson for me as a leader. There are going to be times when I have to believe in my people until they're ready to believe in themselves. And maybe they don't have the confidence. They may not have the experience yet. They want to do more. You see more in them, but they just don't have that confidence. And I think the key is, as a leader, you believe in your people until they're ready to believe in themselves. And that, to me, was such a valuable mm. lesson. Yeah, and helped, I like that. And help, and help me throughout my career. And so quickly from a career point of view, we moved nine times across the country. I mean, I moved, uh, I started in Jersey, you know, and then I actually was in Des Moines, Iowa, and then Southern California. And I love, you know, we loved all the locations we were at, met some wonderful people. And picture this summer, Rocky Romanella in Des Moines, Iowa. Number one question I would get asked her, hey, you in a witness protection program? I don't know. <laughs> 
That's oh, funny. I'd be like, I'd be like Joe Smith if I was in a witness protection program. But right. no, wonderful people, <laughs> you know, and, and it was great. We had four kids in tow and, and it was just wonderful. We lived in Southern California as well. Uh, I took on different assignments uh, and two of them quickly, I'll tell you. One was uh, we purchased mailboxes, et cetera, and then we branded it to the UPS store and I had the opportunity to have that as direct, direct report. And in that opportunity, I learned from all of the individual franchisees, the entrepreneurial spirit. And I have to tell you, I have such great respect for entrepreneurs. I don't believe I could do that. I mean, I look at my jobs throughout UPS and and even later on, I retired from UPS and was recruited to be a CEO of a telecom company. I still look at entrepreneurs and believe they are the ultimate, I mean, they are the ultimate business people. I mean, they're the ultimate all-in people. Because if you think about it, they slide everything they have across the table and say, hey, I'm all in. And at yeah. the end of the day, you know, think about it. At the end of the day, when, when they hit the cash register, they pay their people, they pay their vendors. And what's left is in that cash register is what they take home from their people. So for me, that experience working with the entrepreneurs inside the UPS store, the UPS store is 100% franchisee owned, all independent business owners. They were such wonderful people. I learned so much from them. And I'll tell you, I have such great respect for entrepreneurs. I, to this day, I don't know if I could do what they did. Yeah, it's, I, I do too. I am one, and I, but I have so much respect for other ones. It's true. You know, let's, I'd love to dive in a little bit more into being an entrepreneur, starting up a business, even if you're at that place where you're starting, starting to grow that can actually be, it's a good thing, but it can also be a scary thing or you're, or you're wanting to take the steps to grow. How, how do you know when to take those next steps in terms of investing more, investing more in hiring a team, investing more in, you know, new services or products? Like that's a big question that a lot of small business owners will have is I want to take it to that next level but I'm scared because that usually means I'm going to have to come out more. I'm going to have to, you know, give more financially and, and time. And how do I know if that's the right thing to do? Uh, that's a great question. And I, I get the opportunity to work with many, many small business owners in our consulting side or through the training that we do. And, I, and as I said, they're just so motivational, but I get asked that question quite a bit. And, and one of the ways I think you know, because people like processes. Can you like, they like, you know, to be assured that, okay, well, there's a, there's a way I came to that answer other than a gut feeling. Look, we all manage by our gut, but you, you know, when you're making these big decisions, you just kind of like to have some kind of like, you know, you always saying, God, we trust everybody else bring data. So is, is there a way for you to answer that? And I would say the best way to do that is if you think about it, you started out as a small business owner and you're the sole proprietor and you're working that store, for example. One of the things I always tell people when they say, well, when's it time for me to hire that next person? Well, you have two responsibilities, right, when you, when you own a business. The first is the tactical execution of your brand and your product and, and you know, what you open the store to do. The second, though, is the strategic vision of what we're going to look like in the next year, 18 months, or three years from now. And that's the balance you have to strike as an entrepreneur. And so it if it gets to the point where you cannot do the strategical, strategic side of being an entrepreneur, like what are we going to do in the next year, you know, 18 months from now, because you're so tied up in the tactical, it's probably time now for you to hire somebody because you do have that responsibility to take a look at how do you prepare your business for the next year, 18 months, three years. That's how you prevent, you know, 18 months from now, a change in the marketplace that you missed. You know, if you think about in a large company, 
you know, I tell, I tell the story all the time on the, about the hundred and over 150 year anniversary of the Sears and Roebuck catalog. They stopped having a catalog. They went asked, why don't they have a catalog? The CEO said, well, no one buys from a catalog anymore. Well, can you, get them, <laughs> can you get any more summer catalogs in your mail? And by the way, who is the Sears and Roebuck catalog today? It's Amazon online. Right. So the, so in a very large company's perspective, you always have to maintain that strategic vision, but it's the same at the small business owner. So I would say when you, when you're preventing your ability to have a strategic view of your business, where you want to go next, you know, do you want to have a second store? Do you, you know, do you want to expand your hours? Do you want to add a new product inside the store? Those are all strategic decisions. And when you're preventing yourself from having the ability to do those things, it's probably means that you're spending too much time tactically. And that's probably the first step in that belief of, you know what, I may need to hire someone. Maybe it's part-time initially, then full-time, but I have to free myself up to, to begin to get a vision of where I'd like to take this business next. Yeah. I'm that the whole vision is so extremely important. We, we do that with our, with our team every year, having a vision of where are we going? What's the next year look like? And we also do that three-year vision following that vivid vision book by Cameron Harold. but it's, it's that, that helps so much in terms of making decisions. Does this, does this move the needle? Does making this decision move the needle into where we want to go and where we see ourselves going? Yeah. And I think then the next step is, so once you're, to your point, once, once you've made that decision, it's time for us to move the needle. Then the next question is, okay, that means as the owner, I have to be freed up to maybe work with banks to get, you know, potential working capital line of credit or an investment line of credit, or, or maybe just, you know, kind of visiting with customers or finding new customers. Now the next big step, and I think sometimes the most difficult step, and I'd be curious to see if you agree or you see this as well. To me, I think the biggest hurdle is always hiring that first person. No, now I have to have, you know, and I think that that's probably, because if you think about it, it's the old, it's the old theory that don't allow your strength to become your weakness. So what's the strength of a small business owner? Nobody knows the business better than they do. No one's more committed than they are. No one cares about the business more than they do. What's their weakness? No one knows the business better than more than they do. <laughs> so what happens is you start to believe, well, there's no one that'll ever care about my business or run my business the way I run my business. And I think that's, that's the hurdle they have to get over, I think. Yeah, Absolutely. Kind of switching here, you've got a book called Tighten the Lug Nuts, and it's the principles of balanced leadership. Is this something for entrepreneurs, small business owners that they could read that would help them? Oh, absolutely. And, and I wrote the book for, I, I, it sounds broad-based, but, but the book is written for everyone because I think we're all leaders at one time or another. Right. I think, I think what happens at times, people believe leadership is a title. CEO or manager. I mean, today I'll tell you, Summer, I have the greatest title I've ever had in my whole career, which is grandpa. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's a great title. So leadership's not about a title. You know, there's there's, uh, individual contributors inside organizations that are some of the best leaders inside an organization. So the book's written for all of us because we're all leaders at one time or another. Now, clearly there's business, there's some of the stories and some of the lessons I've learned throughout my career. So yeah, arguably you'd say it's more business related, but absolutely for entrepreneurs. And, you know, I think this concept of balanced leadership is such an important concept. And I think we can talk about that if, if you'd like. And, and also we can maybe talk a little bit about the title, which I think is uh, 
which, which is very helpful to small business owners. Yes, please let us know. I, I know you coined this term. What does it mean? Tighten the lug nuts? Yes. Well, so quickly, I won't give away the story in one of the chapters, but if you think about it, when the lug nuts are loose on a vehicle, they're important. But now you get distracted and something else comes up and that those lug nuts that you could have easily tightened in a few minutes because of distraction or something else comes up, you move on to do something else that you believe at the time someone tells you is much more important. And now all of a sudden, a few days later, the front wheel becomes a problem. Now all of a sudden, it be, the, what were simply loose lug nuts become a very important thing. And so what happens is you don't allow important things to become urgent. You can only handle so many important things. And when you allow important things that you could fix quickly and effectively become urgent, now you get overwhelmed and then that's when problems start to happen. So, you know, so routinely people call me, it's funny in town, I've done some speaking with schools and, and small businesses to help out. And they, you know, it's like, Hey, Mr. Romano, lug nuts are all tight. And their kids will see me. He's like, hey, no loose lug nuts here, Mr. R. Right, very good. Keep it up. So <laughs> don't allow important things to become urgent. And there's a story in there that you'll enjoy. But I think that the key is don't allow important things to become urgent. And if you think about in a small business where you have limited number of people, where, you know, you may be a small business owner with two or three people, you can, you know, think about how easily you can become overwhelmed if all the little things, the loose lug nuts don't get tightened. Now, Been there. Just, yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Oh, I totally get that feeling. Where can we find this book? Oh, it, the book is fulfilled on Amazon. I'm self-published author, so it's fulfilled on Amazon. They do a great job. In fact, you know, they're still uh, right now fulfilling very well. And then also Barnes & Noble online, but right, it's Amazon. And so they do a great job with it. And for just a side note, for every book sold, we donate a dollar to the Jimmy Valvano Fund. Jimmy V was a legendary coach who passed away from cancer at North Carolina State. We donate $1 for every book sold to the V Foundation, which is to find the cure. Oh, awesome. Okay, very cool. And we'll put a link to that in our show notes as well. Okay, there's something that you say. I love this because actually I, did, I, I have a Peloton in my house and one of the instructors says this a lot about, you know, what are you doing right now when no one is watching? You know, especially like you're, you're on this bike, nobody else is home, you're doing this. Are you really putting your all into it? Would you be putting more into it if somebody, if you were in a classroom and you had a teacher in your face? And so when they say, you know, it's what you do when no one is watching that counts, I always think about that. And I would love for you to go into that because I know it's something that you say as well. And I think it's so important. And especially right now, because I think a lot of us are, you know, in positions where maybe we're not working with our business partner or employee or whatever, where they're right next to us and we maybe feel a little bit more accountable. Like, what is it that we're doing? Are we, are we, are we putting the same effort into it when we're, when no one's watching? Wow. Yeah. And and by the way, we have a Peloton too here, so it's a, it's a me. It's an it's it awesome? product. I gotta tell you, I have to. <laughs> I know. It's funny. It's funny. I like when Debbie talks to me. She'll be like, "I talked to uh, you know, Rigby, whatever his name. I go, Who are these people?" And I realize it's all the instructors. You know. I know they become I, your best friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I kind of, you know, I'm kind of on this thing by myself, just doing my own little ride. Meanwhile, she's like, she's, I'm like, when would you make all these friends, honey? What am I doing? I don't know anybody here. <laughs> but uh, I'll take it. I'll take that question in two quick two quick different ways for a second. So as a person, you know, my dad, who such a, was such a huge influence in my life growing up, I remember the one time he told me that, you know, it's what you do and no one's watching the count. Now, clearly I'm, par- you know, I'm kind of giving it to you, you know, it, 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 a little different. He told me a lot of the stuff sometimes in Italian. So it was almost like, you know, and I remember saying to him, hey, dad, that's the best part. No one's watching. Yeah. And he, 
And he said to me, there's always two people watching the man upstairs, but the person looking in the mirror. And I never forgot that. that uh-huh. you know, yet, you, know, you look in the mirror and you really have to kind of, you know, were, were you true to yourself? Did you, you know, you may not have achieved the things you want to achieve in that day, but did you give it your best? Were you, did you treat people with dignity and respect? Were you a good person? Was your intentions good? Did you try to do the best things you could? And so for me, it always became that someone is always watching. It's the man upstairs and the person looking in the mirror. And at the end of the day, can I look in the mirror and believe I did the best I could and, and, and did, it with the, did it the right way? But from a company point of view, if you think about it from this perspective, can you get all your people in your care? And, and, and I never say people work for me or, or people are employees. To me, they're people in our care. So for me, are the people in our, in our care as an organization, are they trying to do the right things when no one's watching? Because if they are, and if I can motivate them to do that, if I can get them to see the value in that, well, then they're doing the right things when no one's watching. And that's what's protecting the brand. That's the brand promise, right? That's the, that's the UPS driver that knocks on the door and, the, and you know, instead of just leaving it there, the, when the elderly person comes to the door and says, hey, I'll just slip it inside the door for you. Oh, thank you so much. Those are the little things like that. Or, you know, I always say in the first chapter of the book, I talk about the simple acts of kindness, you know, that are so important as a leader. It's the hello, it's thank you, it's summer. Hey, great job. Thank you for, thank you for being such a thoughtful host. I appreciate all the time you took to prepare for this. this. This means so much to me. Thank you. Those simple acts of kindness, and those are the things that you do when no one's watching to prepare to be and to be that thoughtful host. Well, I think from a company point of view, if you can inspire your people to do the right things when no one's watching because of the way you manage your company, the tone you set from the top, I think that's what's the magic in the brand. It's a person in Disneyland that picks up the piece of paper when no one's watching because there's never paper on the floor in Disney, that kind of idea. Right. I love that. I really do love that. And just for, for every part of life. I have a question, and this is a little bit switching topics, but because you have done this, and I think that for some people, it's quite relevant. And that is, you know, you had, you had this whole, you were talking about earlier, this, one of the largest rebranding initiatives in the franchise history, which was the UPS store. How, now I know that was like a very big level, but rebranding for small businesses is really can be really really stressful, and I've I've gone through it before myself. And there's so much involved. Do you have like some tips, tricks, or some really great advice in knowing first if it's necessary to do, and then second, like how do you? What's the best way to go through that? So I always take three questions that I think are very you know important for me to understand about myself, and I would suggest as leaders you take this inventory as well. And then I apply these three questions to the business before I start a process like a rebranding. And the first question is, you know, as a leader, who am I as a business? Who are we? What do we stand for? And what are the things that we won't compromise? And when you think about the rebranding of, you know, kind of of the UPS store, you know, what we were trying to understand is who are we, right? You know, what do we stand for? What are the things that we won't compromise? And so maybe the compromise piece, you know, wasn't part of the rebranding part of it, but who are we? You know, do we want to be Mailboxes, et cetera, which was a great name, but a great brand and some outstanding franchisees, but are we more than, 
mailboxes, et cetera, or mailboxes. You mm-hmm. know, and today inside that store, it's one of the largest print. They have uh, over 50 locations. It's probably more now that have 3D printing in them. So it, so you become more than that brand. And so you start to think, you, you start to think to yourself, you know, does this brand, while it's a wonderful brand and we have blood, sweat and tears to get it to be this great brand that's recognizable, does it really represent those three things? Who are we? What do we stand for? And what are the things we won't compromise? And so I think that that's the first step in not only you being a good leader in a company having a strong brand is now you're beginning to ask that question, well, does the brand, you know, represent what we are? And so, for example, I'll give you two couple quick analysis, you know, analogies that I would use that are kind of relevant. And one that I, I grew up with in UPS, I mean, the original UPS logo had a package on top, you know, of it, and it was kind of in a nice little bow. And today that UPS logo doesn't have the package across the top. And I remember when we made that decision, it's because we're more than a package delivery company. We're a logistics company. We had a, you have a bank. And so we wanted to be, you know, more than, than a package delivery company. Since we were more than that, now that logo represented, you know, the, you know, the package no longer was just about being a package delivery company. Think about, you know, Weight Watchers is now WW because they're, they've moved past. I was just reading about yeah. it. They've, yeah, they've moved past weight loss and now it's a, it's a way of life. You know, it, it's, it's a lifestyle change. It's so... Like Dunkin' Donuts is now Dunkin'. It's more than just a donut. So I think that what happens is you start to answer those three questions. So I always start with these three questions. Who are we? What do we stand for? And what are the things that we won't compromise? And if if who we are and what we stand for are starting to become different, then it begin you're beginning that process of understanding, well, maybe that brand doesn't really represent those first two questions. Right. And one thing too, as you're saying this that I'm thinking of is it's also so important to recognize, you know, like you said, who are we? Who are you to your customers? Because sometimes businesses do start out as one thing and they start to realize that they're so awesome at a part of what they were first offering that that becomes the main business (laughs) and and things start to shift. Like your customers and your audience really start to tell you what they love and what they need more of from you. And I've, you know, I've gone through that before where it's like, oh, we want to do this, 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 and that. But we realize there's, you know, the few things that bring results for our customers. So here's what we're really going to focus on and here's what we really are. And sometimes I think that happens because you don't know in the very beginning, you know that you're trying to answer a certain problem, but sometimes you don't really know how it's going to be received until you actually have that data and that experience with your audiences. And that starts to reshape, you know what, this is really how people see us. Maybe this is how we need to be branding ourselves. I think that's absolutely true. And I, I think, I, I really think what, what you've just artic- articulated is absolutely pearls because inside of what you just said are two or three very important concepts. The first is who's your customer? I mean, everybody believes they know who their customer is, but do they really know who the customer is? I remember we were, supp- we were you know, doing a supply chain solution and it was for a healthcare company. And, you know, you asked the group, uh, well, who's the customer? And a third of them said, well, it's the companies that distribute, you know, the CVS, the Walgreens. And another group said, no, 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 it's the doctors. They prescribe our drugs. And of course, the third of them said, well, isn't it the patient? And that's so important when you're trying to understand, like, who is your customer? You know, it, it, 
and I think sometimes it gets a little confusing and you really got to take that step back and answer that question, who is the customer? And I think once you understand who the customer is, then you start to develop your KPIs, you start to develop your things that you're going to hold yourself accountable to and for to make sure that you achieve the results. So I think that's the first thing. And I think you articulated very well, like who is our customer and what are they expecting from us? And I think that's that's so important. And then, then I think from there be, becomes okay, well then if our customer is different than we originally thought it is, what are their needs? What keeps them up awake at night? What, you know, how do we, what are the things that we need to do to perform, to satisfy what keeps them up awake at night? Well, many times businesses solution for what keeps them up awake at night, but it's not them. It's their customer that they're trying yeah. to get some good sleep for, you know? Right. Exactly. It's so true. But you, but you bring up a great point though. That first question of who is the customer and you know, who is my customer and what are their needs? I think is so important. And one, if I could not, not to ramble here, but one other thing is the best product development comes from listening to your customers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you were spot on when you, when you mentioned that, that, hey, that's where it all starts, right? I mean, when, when a company may start here, you know, but I mean, think about Amazon. They started as a book publishing company. Right. I mean, so it's listening to their customers, understanding needs that are out there, the fact that people really were starting to, you know, really kind of drive the e-commerce side of the world and they were more comfortable ordering online at, you know, 10 o'clock at night than they were, were really going to a brick and mortar, you know, started to push them in different directions. And so I think that, you know, I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, the best product development happens, you know, when you're, when you're truly listening to your customers. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, that's, think of Apple, right? I mean, they, he, he, launches things quickly. Things were launched quickly. Let's see the user experience. What kinds of things are they wanting? And you're basically using, you know, what you've got out there now as your beta testers <laughs> and then coming back with, oh, let's, here's how, here's how we can improve. This is what they want. Because at the end of the day, you get that loyalty when people feel that their needs are being heard and, and answered. I mean, what better, why wouldn't they do business with you? Oh yeah, I agree. And it's interesting when you look at some of the things that have happened in history or happened, you know, kind of in, you know, in the past. I mean, if you think about it, you know, probably 20 years ago, there was a, a company that was on fire at the time, Gateway 2000. There was cow, cow boxes everywhere. And if you think about it, you know, Gateway 2000 w- came out with, with what they call the country stores. And you could go into a Gateway 2000 and, you know, buy your laptop and build your laptop. And, right. and it really wasn't. In fact, there was one right there, you know. Oh, right there in Southern California, uh, uh, you know, off the five there, I think. And it was, it was one of the first country stores. And, and if you think about it, you know, it, it wasn't as successful as they had hoped. But now today, you, you know, you can't, get, you can't get into an Apple store without a little bit of a line <laughs> or right. a Microsoft store. What's the difference? Well, in the Gateway 2000 store, you couldn't actually buy a computer. You could go in, you could work, play with the computer, you could talk to the associate, but then you actually went to a phone and ordered the computer. Right. And you had to wait for it to be built. <laughs> right. And then they shipped it to you. And, and so, so if you think about it, they were almost right there. You know, what they yeah. missed is that once you played with the computer and you, you kind of uh, designed it the way you want, you want to take it home at that point, you know? And so I think that, you know, but you look at that and you say, well, that wasn't successful, but certainly today the Apple store and the Microsoft store are, are, are very successful. So it's just, it's just, you know, kind of analyzing when, when as a small business owner, and you start to analyze the businesses that are small businesses that made it and those that haven't, it wasn't that the person who didn't make it didn't have a good idea. 
I think sometimes what they miss is the unintended consequences that happened. And the, did I adjust to those unintended consequences for them at, at gateway, the unintended consequence was people wanted to take it home. Yeah. You know, they thought that no, people don't want to carry that big box with them. They really want it delivered to their house. Well, no, once they got, once they saw it and liked it, they really did want to take it home. Right. So true. Uh, so many good things today. And I appreciate your, your time so much. We've talked about leadership. We've talked about values, what you're doing when no one's watching your book, which I'm really excited to get my hands on. And, you know, really, I loved how we talked about the, you know, when to make certain decisions in in your business. And there's so many great questions that we're going to list out because I love stuff like that when it's like, okay, what do I need to be asking myself? That's when like the best things happen. You just sometimes need the right question. (laughs) But thank you so much. Again, the book is called Tighten the Lug Nuts. Rocky, where else can people find more information on you? Well, thank you very much for asking. And so we have a website. It's www. It's the number three and the word 60, S-I-X-T-Y, managementservices.com. I will tell you, if I had to do over again, I should have came up with a shorter name with a lot less letters. <laughs> I feel like it's a, it's like a will of fortune test or something like that. Come on, buy a vowel here, Rocky. <laughs> But as you know, when you're going through that whole process, that the, simply the number three, number six, number zero would have been much better, but that was already taken. So, and, and it was our holistic approach to things. But so th- that's our website. There's also a website for the book, tightenthelugnuts.com, where, and you can, you can meet the fic- fictional character who the book, you know, kind of narrates the books, a gentleman by the name of Joe Scaffone. Oh, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe's my pal. Me and Joe have been together for many years now. <laughs> So those are two uh, places. And of course, my you can certainly email me at Rocky Romanella, R-O-C-K-Y, Romanella, R-O-M-A-N-E-L-L-A at gmail.com. Love to talk to people. I, I do answer all the questions that come across on the contact me pages of the website. And our business, quickly, if I could, is just three legs of our stool. One is uh, keynote speaking. We do leadership training and we do, we do uh, process improvement and and we love working with small businesses. So uh, to me, that's sort of, and I, I tell you, my tenure and time at UPS, the most exciting time for me was when I got the opportunity to work with the franchisees at the UPS store. Oh, yeah. I just love the entrepreneurial spirit, such great respect for them. So uh, I feel like it's an opportunity for me to give back a little bit through this consulting and through the book. And so hopefully the book can get some aha moments for some people and help them through a difficult time. That would be wonderful. <laughs> 